0: Hi everyone, welcome to Unchained, your no hype resource for all things crypto. I'm your host, Laura Shin, author of The Cryptopians. I started covering crypto seven years ago, and as a senior editor at Forbes, was the first mainstream media reporter to cover cryptocurrency full time. This is the May 12th, 2023 episode of Unchained. Ever wanted to use DeFi without being trapped? Railgun is a leading DeFi privacy solution on Ethereum, BSC, Arbitrum, and Polygon. Shield your funds and use them privately in your favorite DeFi apps, while Railgun's cutting-edge, zero-knowledge system encrypts your data from public view. Yes, that includes Dex trading. Visit railgun.org or use the Railway app at railway.xyz. Stator Labs is a multi-chain liquid staking platform with 40k plus DeFi partnerships across six chains. Soon they'll be coming to Ethereum with their LST ETHX. Visit StatorLabs.com/eth to sign up for their ETHX Alpha list. With the Crypto.com app, you can buy, trade, and spend crypto in one place. Download and get $25 with the code Laura. Link in the description. Hey, Unchained listeners. Again, the URL is unchangedcrypto.substack.com. Today's guest is Wasi Lawyer, a lawyer specializing in restructuring and insolvency. Welcome, Wasi.
1: Hi, it's good to be back.
0: Late Wednesday, Coindesk reported that the IRS is claiming $44 billion in taxes on FTX and Alameda, both of which are in bankruptcy. I see people commenting on how can that be when Alameda may never have made that much money. How do you think the IRS is coming up with these numbers?
1: I mean, I mean, obviously they, they it, it, it sounds like they don't actually have the details to figure out what, what what the number actually is. So they just go for as high end numbers as, as possible. So there's been a lot of experts in the space. Uh, I'm not a tax expert, but um, I've been saying that meet, meet TC has an incredibly well summary of what's going on and why the IRS is saying all these things. But um the 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 view which is what uh, what is explained is that the IRS is basically reclassifying some um, uh, contract contractor arrangements and employee arrangements and sort of claiming back taxes on that, um, and essentially because they don't have the details, they just go for as high a number as possible, and then we probably expect the number to actually come down quite significantly, um, if and when it actually gets paid.
0: And one other thing is that the claims are being filed as admin priority. What does that mean?
1: Yeah, that's the um, annoying bit. So under the U.S. Bankruptcy Code, um, the amount of monies owed to Uncle Sam um, take priority over the average unsecured creditor, which, you know, un- unless, you, unless the sort of more creative trust arguments hold um, a-, a bad fruit, that's what the average um, customer is, an unsecured creditor. So what you, you, you potentially have is you have these tax claims coming in in priority to unsecured claims. Just just to be just to be sort of clarify a bit further, because people have been asking, oh, how does this how does this uh, affect FTX international depositors given the the large tax bill is hitting Alameda? So to sort of recap, FTX is an unsecured credit of Alameda. So um, that's what happens when you know when Sam takes all of our money out into Alameda and uses it to you know invest in stuff. Um, what what actually has happened is that he's borrowed that money from FTX International, and in order for FTX International to recover that money, they recover in the capacity of unsecured creditor. So, having let's just say if if it's a twenty billion dollar tax liability show up at the Alameda level, it means that. The tax man gets paid before any money goes back into FTX International, where it can then be used to pay, well, us.
0: And the other thing I noticed is that they're also being called unliquidated. What does that mean?
1: Uh, I mean, a liquidated claim is basically a claim for an agreed amount of damages, if, if that makes sense. So when you have a liquidated damages clause, it means you've agreed that if there is a breach, this would be the amount of, liquid, of damages payable. Unliquidated just means well they're just they're not liquidated.
0: Okay, meaning okay. that there's a dollar amount, but that hasn't been agreed yeah. upon.
1: Yeah, that's the dollar amount is not agreed.
0: Okay, so it's like one yeah. side the, is a certain court
1: still has to quantify and assess the damage. Okay. If that makes sense.
0: Okay, so you started to talk about kind of like the order of preference when we were talking about the admin priority, but obviously that's, some of these tax claims are not just against Alameda, but also FTX. So Correct. in general, now when you, cause obviously if, so like when you look at the docket, you'll see there's like Correct. many, many, many different um, IRS claims against all these different entities um, in the FTX Alameda empire. So in general, now how does this affect the bankruptcy proceeding?
1: I mean, you're basically applying the admin priority rule to each individual entity, right? So, Let's say, um, I I, I noticed there's a tax claim against FTX International as well. So that's the kind of the, the, that's the straightforward, in a a way, straightforward one, right? So FTX International, you've got your customer deposits in there. All of your customers are claiming, um, I'm assuming at this point, as unsecured creditors. There is a tax claim from the IRS on top of it. It means the IRS needs to get paid its money first before any of the customers can take their money out. Now you apply that across the board to all of these entities, and so for instance, like I, I explained about Alameda earlier, Alameda owes FTX International ten billion dollars. If Alameda sells its assets and manages to get ten billion dollars and moves it and, and uses it to pay FTX International, FTX International can then now has that money which can use to pay its 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 own unsecured creditors, i.e. Asset depositors. Now, if there is a twenty billion dollar tax claim sitting in Alameda, which is which ranks ahead of FTX International's claim against Alameda what happens is your 10 billion dollars that you may have uh, gotten from liquidating whatever random sam coin shitcoins um, um investments now that all just goes to the tax man so no money comes into FTX International and that um, that means no money is there to pay pay down its um, um the customers
0: so as we alluded to earlier, the way that these numbers are being presented in the bankruptcy is not with like some kind of um I guess what's the word, um, proof of how they are they were arrived at. And I saw some tax analysts calling into question how it was that the IRS came up with these calculations. So meet TC, um who you mentioned. Um, his profile says he's a principal at DGEN Legal, and he <laughs> tweeted he tweeted about the $20 billion tax bill in Alameda and said, quote, In part, it appears the IRS went back and reclassified all employees from contractors to employees and hit them for unpaid employer-side employment taxes. So um, for people who, who don't know this, um, when you are an employee, then your employer will pay a 15% tax on your income. And then you also pay taxes. Um, if you're like self employing you you are responsible for both sides of that. Um, another tax-related person, it seems Mr. Purple DJ, tweeted, quote, the IRS claims $8 billion in same tax for 2022, which would exceed all revenue. Um, he also says, that it claims $122 million per quarter for payroll taxes, which are 15%. And he said that would imply that they had $3.2 billion in salaries. Um, And then he also flagged that the IRS is not claiming any interest or penalties. And he said, typically, that's where you usually see large amounts. So it looks you know, like people are kind of skeptical of how it was that the IRS arrived at these numbers. So is there any point at which the IRS will have to show its calculations in the bankruptcy <laughs>
1: <laughs> To be honest, I'm not a tax lawyer, so I can't comment on that. Um, I, can, I can sort of quote from meech right? Well, um, they're estimating on the high end. The
0: bankruptcy court require the IRS to show how it's ca- arriving well, at pre- these.
1: Presumably claims. at some point that they're, they're going to have to, you know, I think this this will certainly be defended and litigated like John Ray is not going to sit there and just hand over money to the IRS. This is something that's going to be an ongoing matter and it's something that will be you know determined further down the line for a amount that is going to be vastly smaller than the $20 billion. Even if it's a billion dollars, it's painful. Even if it's $500 million, it's painful because of the administrative priority.
0: Right, but I guess what I'm asking is, um, so... D- so it seems like you think John Ray is, he's not going to just accept these, he's oh, going yeah, to... Oh no, yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely not, no.
0: Is that a typical thing or is that uncommon or how does I that mean, even work?
1: I mean, what the IRS have put in is a claim, right? It's, it's just that, it's a claim. And anyone can go in and put it, put in a claim against the FTX estate at this point of time. The, the question is whether or not that claim actually well exists, and and the, the, the quantum of that claim, that is something that needs to be Um, worked out and um, flashed out um, over the coming weeks and months. And presumably the estate is going to start doing a lot of homework to figure out look, even if we reclassify off our contract agreements, the employment employment agreements, this is the maximum amount of tax we will be payable. And it will be paid out of this silo and this silo as opposed to that silo. So, yeah, I fully expect a lot of work going to be done. The Sullivan Cromwell is definitely calling up the tax department and Putting them on, you know, making them work late tonight.
0: Okay, so in a moment, we're going to unpack a little bit more how all this will affect the proceedings. But first, a quick word from the sponsors who make the show possible. Ever wanted to use DeFi without being tracked? Railgun is the leading DeFi privacy solution on Ethereum. It's available on BSC, Arbitrum, and Polygon 2. Shield your funds and use them privately in your favorite DeFi apps, while Railgun's cutting-edge, zero-knowledge system encrypts your data from public view, all without leaving your preferred chain. Yes, that includes DEX trading. Coming soon are integrations with leading yield, lending, and PERP trading platforms on multiple chains. DeFi and privacy, together at last. Visit Railgun.org or use the Railway app at railway.xyz to find out more. Meet Stater Labs, the non-custodial multi-chain liquid staking platform transforming the liquid staking landscape. With over $120 million in assets staked, and more than 40k users across 6 chains, Stater has partnered with 40-plus top DeFi protocols like Aave, Balancer, etc. With a unique multi-pool architecture and tokenomics, ETHX, their liquid staking token on Ethereum, empowers stakers everywhere to run a node with as little as 4 ETH and earn 35% more than solo staking. Sign up for their ETHX Alpha list today and be the first to know about $1 million in DeFi rewards. Back to my conversation with Wasi Lawyer. So you also tweeted about a potential saving grace for the FTX creditors. You called it the trust argument. What is that?
1: Oh boy, I'm gonna need way more than 15 minutes, probably like an hour or two hours, maybe five. Um, it's <laughs> it's short the argument that a, a very long time ago, I think we may have discussed this briefly around how the FTX terms of services worked, where customers who put in digital assets retain title to those digital assets. The, the trust argument is simply that does the, those assets, um, those digital assets that customers put in were always held on trust by FTX International. And when they transfer them to Alameda, they con- the customers continue to have a proprietary interest in those assets. So, if you have a proprietary interest in those assets, you are not a unsecured creditor. You aren't a creditor at all. You are just taking assets that's yours. You are asserting the proprietary interest that you have in those assets. Um, the reason why I said it's going to take a very long time to flesh out in detail is because it isn't the silver bullet, which a lot of people seem to think it is. People seem to think, hey, if I've got a tr- if the trust argument works, that means that my Bitcoin, which is sitting on FTX, is my Bitcoin. So, FTX has to give it to me in full without you know and. Uh, effectively in priority to everything else. The thing is that it's not it really isn't that simple because it has massive, massive knock on effects for for instance, you 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 can no longer have your preference claims, right? Your preferential withdrawal period because I didn't withdraw any money, I'm not a creditor, I just took assets that belong to me. So you're not you're no longer using that preference section of US bankruptcy code to start clawing back assets against other customers. You're using something else completely different, potentially something, you know, founded in unjust enrichment, um, which is, which again is going to take us a very, very long time to talk about.
0: If it's thought that those assets simply belong to the customers and they are not unsecured creditors, uh. then like basically the notion of clawbacks almost doesn't exist anymore, at least for customers.
1: Not in not in accordance with the U.S. bankruptcy code, because now. <laughs> Now, what, what, what happens if you essentially think of everything as, if you think of the substantially all of the customer funds as being on trust, as opposed to, you know, customers being unsecured creditors of the company, then you're, you're not looking at bankruptcy law anymore. You're looking at trust law. You're looking at a trust shortfall, clearly, and someone who is withdrawn, has withdrawn in priority to others and therefore not taken their pro rata share of that shortfall and you're basically back to you know trust law common law um it's it's going to be incredibly incredibly complicated to 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 almost to to add to that digital assets if the trust argument does bear fruit it's going to it's basically going to pick winners and losers it it's going to pick there's going to be customers who wired it $10 million or $100 million to Alameda or, or, or FTX. Well, they wired to Alameda because FTX used Alameda's bank account. <laughs> but there's going to be customers that wired fiat money and there's going to be a customer that wired that same amount and uh, sent the same amount in USDC and the guy who sends it in USDC gets all of his money back, whereas the guy who wires the money via bank transfer gets zero or, or, or close to nothing. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up in a pretty... Crazy situation. You're going to have a situation where there's going to be a lot of litigation around what assets are in trust, what assets are not in trust. If you started using the leverage trading functions of FTX, do you then give up your? Do you then give up a proprietary claim? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that.
0: Okay, wait. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna. We're gonna to have to put a pin in that one. Um, yes. But what I wanted <laughs> to ask first was just when you were talking about the the person who wired money. And how, um, if they were wiring U.S. dollars, then they might not have any claims um, or or get any money back. So, but what if, you know, you were wiring money because you thought that you were buying a whole bitcoin, like you wired, you know, twenty thousand bucks because you thought you were getting one whole bitcoin?
1: Then you're, you're absolutely seeing the um, absolute insanity that ensues because if I wired a twenty twenty k to buy a bitcoin and I buy the bitcoin. Do I now hold the Bitcoin? The Bitcoin's now in trust. Then the guy who deposited the Bitcoin, does he no longer have a proprietary interest in the quote-unquote trust? Does he now only have a you know claim as unsecured credit against the FTX estate? You see why this creates a lot of...
0: Well, I don't see why they wouldn't both have their assets in trust there. The only problem would be is if Alameda didn't actually buy the Bitcoin at the time oh, yeah. with the oh, US dollars, <laughs> which it looks like maybe they didn't for some of them.
1: Uh, yeah, um, that's that as well, of course. <laughs> so you are looking into very, very complex areas of trust law. And look, I'm I, I, I can't say that I have all the answers right now. There is literally no one here who can say that they have all the answers right now if we were to end up in a world where customer assets were held on trust it will okay
0: and w- yeah and before we i still want to get to the leverage question but before we move to that i just wanted to ask like it sounds like all of this is raising the exact same issues that came up with the mount gox case but at that time the japanese court decided to denominate everything in dollars and not return investments to people based on the amount of bitcoin they had so is this kind of like a question that keeps coming up and over and over again in different courts worldwide? And do you think that it's just we're just gonna end up with different jurisdictions that have different standards? Or do you feel like we'll start to see start to see a particular standard emerge?
1: So I mean I spoke with Gandhi about this Mt. Gox thing as well. Um, and I think what happened, I mean the the there was some sort of arrangement that happened um, where I think the creditors are, in fact, getting the Bitcoin back because the value of Bitcoin has gone up so massively that um, I can't recall the exact details of the arrangement or the court process they use. But it's very different from the, um, from the from the U.S. court system. The issue of the nomination of crypto claims is going to be something that will be that is going to be um, an issue. It is likely going to be litigated. It is an issue. That it. it it doesn't really have to be determined unless you actually liquidate, you, you completely liquidate the company because you could, you could agree as part of a Chapter 11 plan or agree as part of the restructuring plan how you're going to um, deal with those assets. You could. The the, the one where I can see this being litigated very seriously is Tree Arrows Capital because that's a liquidation scenario where there's a lot of finality to it. And
0: so I'm sorry, like what is it about the... 3 um, 0's case that makes it different?
1: Oh, because it's a liquidation scenario where oh. Now we're looking at Chapter 11. Chapter 11 is a reorganization procedure for the most part, right? I mean, we could still end up having to liquidate bits and pieces of it. I mean, the customer claims may end up just being denominated in US dollars. Okay.
0: It's so, as well. all right. So, I, yeah, the, I guess we're just going to have to see how particular yeah, no, case... The, but the
1: denomination of crypto claims is very different from the trust argument. It, it, the, the trust argument is an almost uniquely FTX matter, just to clarify.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. There's no other bankruptcy? I mean, I guess like with Celsius, that Celsius was... is a
1: custody, correct. There were, it, it's basically the, the, the custody lawsuits in, in, in Celsius, right? Whereas people would say, my ass SSI custody. The thing is, Celsius actually had a custody function and a non-custody function where it was very clear that those in the non-custody function were not secured creditors. And then there was a custody function, and then there was a withhold function somewhere where I think that was, that was where a lot of the litigation was. Now, in FTX, the argument is that even though FTX never really had a custody function or anything like that, they are arguing that from the terms of service, the FTX never had title to any of those assets. And therefore, yeah, FTX, using those assets, lending them to Alameda, um, when when they did so, did so it was an, an appropriation of custom assets and um, there was a, a trust over those assets. And right, the but am have I a right that, proprietary interest over those assets?
0: Am I right that that probably is the correct interpretation? Like any crypto person would definitely say when you have your money on an exchange that it's, it's yeah. still your money. Like it's not like <laughs> you, you gave the money to the exchange, it's just like they're holding it, but you own it.
1: Yeah. Probably. Um except it's it's also complicated by the fact. It's been a while since I revisited this, but I've had quite quite long discussions with Gandhi about this. And it, it doesn't help that the terms of use terms of service were changed semi recently to the English to the English terms of service, which kind of provides this your title does not transfer um, um provision which everyone is hanging their hats on. So potentially you then have a timing issue as well as to which terms of service your specific deposit came out under.
0: Oh, wow. Wait, and I'm sorry. You, what did you say? And under English law, your title does not transfer?
1: No. Uh, to- so the terms of service that everyone's referencing in order to make this trust argument is a terms of service governed under English law, which specifically states that your digital assets remain yours and title does not transfer to FTX. And this is the provision which people use to say the digital assets belong to me. um, They're held on trust. I have the right proprietary interest in these digital assets. The slightly complicating bit is that these terms of service were fairly recent. And there were previous versions of it, which may not have language that put it in such a specific manner. And from recollection, they were also not English law governed.
0: Okay, but... In that case, is the basic reading what that FTX owns the money or the creditors or the the customer? I have
1: to, I have to dig it up, but I have to dig it up. But I I recall the language not being that, that, that clear. Like if you want to have a further chat about the trust argument, I'm happy to, you know, I I mean, I thought we were talking about texting here, but um, if we're talking about the trust thing, I could sit down with you for an hour and we can go through the, we could go through the eventualities and what the arguments actually are, if that helps.
0: Well, okay, so obviously we're not going to do that right now, but at the moment, does it look like the bankruptcy estate is leaning toward that interpretation?
1: I think the the court is going to decide on it. So fairly soon as well, if I'm not wrong. So we'll we'll, we'll probably hear a bit of it soon enough.
0: And any indication on how the judge is leaning?
1: No idea. Absolutely no idea. (laughs)
0: All right. And then the last thing, because you said it so fast, but I I didn't quite catch it. You said something interesting about leverage as well.
1: The leverage, it it just goes back to the the trust argument that we were discussing earlier, which is if you're using leverage functions, let's say you have your digital assets, right? And you're saying, I have direct proprietary interest in those digital assets, but you then borrow money from FTX secured on those digital assets. What is the nature of the security on those digital assets? do you give up your proprietary title when you use any leverage functions? Maybe, maybe not, depending on what the security ends up actually being. Obviously, it's not specified. <laughs> um, and to what extent do you give it up if you do? No idea. Absolutely no idea. Okay. There's a lot of open questions with the trust stuff. That's what I'm saying.
0: Okay. Yeah, All right. it's, It yeah, is not. It's like it not
1: a silver bullet where... Trust finding means I get all my money back, and everyone else gets fucked. Okay, yeah,
0: yeah. it sounds like um, in this pick, pick a path adventure, um, every ending is a little messy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, p- personally, as a lawyer, I really I, I want to see the trust argument because it'd be so it'd, it'd be so interesting. I think a lot of lawyers want to see it because it's interesting. But if you are a customer of FTX, you do not want to see it because if I say you do not want to see it. I think a lot of people do because that may that may or may not give give them better recoveries but what what's happening is this is all going to be litigated on the FTX customer dime right so do i uh, want new law being made with with the estates money paying lawyers probably uh, not it's just going to be a very 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 convoluted complex and annoying matter matter
0: okay right but it sounds like it would be good for the space as a whole if it was decided in that way at least in my opinion because i feel like well, I don't know, or maybe not. Maybe it would be good if if it was decided the "quote unquote" wrong way, and then nobody would put their money <sighs> on centralized I, 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 exchanges. I, I, would, I, would,
1: I would like, I would, I would like it to 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 be as a crypto participant. There is an implied understanding that your keys, your coins, belong to you, and when you put them on an exchange, they still belong to you, and the exchange can't just steal it and you know, or, or basically convert it into credit. <laughs> But obviously, right. this is what FTX did. FTX, like, I, think, I think I mentioned previously, FTX was basically trying to do what your Voyager and your Celsius did, except Voyager and Celsius had terms and conditions that allowed them to <laughs> use and rehypothecate customer assets, what FTX did not. And now we're, now we're figuring out what happens if you do not have those terms and you do it anyway.
0: That is such a great description of what happened there. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, Wasi, Laura, this has been super fascinating. Thank you so much for explaining it all.
1: No worries. Thanks, Laura.
0: Don't forget, next up is the weekly news recap. Stick around for this week in crypto after this short break. Join over 80 million people using Crypto.com, one of the easiest places to buy, trade, and spend over 250 cryptocurrencies. Spend your crypto anywhere using the Crypto.com Visa card. Get up to 5% cash back instantly, plus 100% rebates for your Netflix and Spotify subscriptions, and zero annual fees. Download the Crypto.com app now and get $25 with the code LAURA. Link in the description. Thanks for tuning in to this week's news recap. SPF seeks dismissal of charges, blaming crypto winter. Sam Bankman fried the founder of the bankrupt crypto exchange FTX, has intensified his legal fight, petitioning a Manhattan federal judge to dismiss the majority of criminal charges against him related to the exchange's collapse. Bankman-Fried's legal counsel argued on Monday that several accusations, including fraud, conspiracy, campaign finance law violations, and money laundering, do not adequately constitute an offense. The move seeks to nullify 10 of the 13 charges against the FTX founder, leaving only allegations of conspiracy to commit commodities fraud, securities fraud, and money laundering. The attorneys further claimed that the U.S. government's original indictment was a, quote, classic rush to judgment amid a turbulent crypto market that saw multiple bankruptcies. They also asserted that the team handling FTX's bankruptcy proceedings, led by the current CEO John Ray III, has been co-opted by the prosecutors to help gather evidence. The dismissal request will be heard by U.S. District Judge Louis Kaplan on June 15th. Meanwhile, Bankman-Fried's former associates, including ex-Alameda Research CEO Caroline Ellison and FTX co-founder Gary Wang, have pleaded guilty to multiple federal charges and are cooperating with the ongoing investigation. Bittrex bites the bankruptcy bullet amidst SEC pressure. Bittrex, the Seattle-based crypto exchange, filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy this week, following the company's decision to shutter its U.S. operations amidst ongoing legal challenges by the Securities and Exchange Commission. The regulator accused the company of operating an unregistered securities exchange, though Bittrex has denied the allegations, stating, quote, securities were not offered or traded on Bittrex. The company says U.S. customers' funds remain secure and that repayment is a priority. Bittrex's attorney, Sushil Kirpalani, stated that the company had sufficient crypto holdings to fully repay all remaining customers, a fact underscored by the approval of a unique bankruptcy loan. The Delaware Bankruptcy Court permitted Bittrex to borrow $7 million in Bitcoin from its parent company, Aquila Holdings. Bittrex's Chapter 11 filing does not affect its international operations under Bittrex Global, which continues to service customers outside the U.S. Nevertheless, the U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control, or OFAC, is listed as the company's largest unsecured creditor, with a debt exceeding $24 million tied to a settlement over alleged sanctions violations. The SEC also features among the creditors, with a claim amount yet to be determined pending ongoing litigation. Regulatory scrutiny triggers strategic retreat for major crypto market makers. This week, Bloomberg reported that increased regulatory pressure on digital asset trading in the U.S. has prompted renowned market makers Jane Street Group and Jump Crypto to scale back their crypto operations. On Tuesday, Bitcoin began trading at a premium on Binance U.S., a phenomenon that industry experts suggest could be linked to these drops in market making. Industry analysts are also raising red flags regarding the potential impact of this strategic retreat on Bitcoin trading liquidity. Traditionally, market makers like Jane Street and Jump Crypto have provided stability and depth to the crypto markets. Their reduced involvement could exacerbate existing liquidity challenges, particularly in the Bitcoin market. Bitcoin's network congestion triggers withdrawal halt and BRC-20 reconsideration. In the wake of substantial Bitcoin network congestion, Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange, temporarily suspended Bitcoin withdrawals. This move followed an influx of over $180 million and a surge in unconfirmed Bitcoin transactions, reaching a record of 488,000. Critics like Swan Bitcoin analyst Sam Callahan argued that Binance either, quote, either, quote, didn't want to pay up with higher fees or didn't want more Bitcoin leaving the exchange. The rising transaction fees, now up 300% from last year, are due to the proliferation of BRC20 transactions on the Bitcoin Ordinals protocol. These transactions account for over half the Bitcoin network's activities and have led to calls from Bitcoin Core developers to potentially reject all BRC20 token transfers. One developer, Ali Sharif, proposed a code base change to address this issue or the introduction of a runtime option to delete all non-standard taproot transactions, including BRC20. Adding to the network's challenges, the Ordinal system, utilized for inscribing digital collectibles onto the Bitcoin blockchain, recently encountered a bug that disrupted its numbering system. Ordinal's creator Casey Rottermore admitted to uncertainties about the best course of action for addressing the bug. Aragon Association curtails ANT voting rights. A week after booting several members who questioned leadership from its Discord channel, the Aragon Association has decided to repurpose its Decentralized Autonomous Organization, or DAO. The association has now transitioned its focus toward a new grants program aimed at developers of decentralized applications and other DAO creators. Luis Quende, a co-founder, also called for $30 million in token buybacks, These moves come in response to the activities of the risk-free value or RFV raiders, a group of activist investors whose members include ARCA Capital Management, and which has become active in DAOs, whose treasuries are larger than the market caps of their coins. The association considered their activities to be potential, quote, financial attacks. Critics have questioned the Aragon Association's motives and the lack of a community vote on these decisions. ARCA, for instance, has called for more transparency and community empowerment. The association maintains that the repurposing of the DAO is a necessary step for the project's security and advancement of its mission. Digital Currency Group wrestles with Genesis Bankruptcy. Tuesday was the due date for DCG's first loan repayments to its insolvent lending subsidiary, Genesis Capital. Instead of repayment, the conglomerate announced that it is seeking to refinance its obligations to Genesis and raise capital. DCG and Genesis are currently engaged in a 30-day mediation period with stakeholders, following several creditors abandoning a previous agreement. Genesis had first filed for bankruptcy in January, owing at least $3.5 billion to its creditors. As the clock ticks toward the end of May, DCG and Genesis are racing to agree to a restructuring plan to salvage the situation. If you are a little lost with this topic, don't miss last Friday's show of Unchained with Ram Alawalia. Grayscale targets expansion with new ETF proposals. Grayscale Investments, the world's largest digital asset manager, announced plans to launch three new exchange-traded funds and create a new entity, the Grayscale Funds Trust. The firm's CEO, Michael Sonnenschein, highlighted the company's aim to continue creating and managing, quote, regulated, future-forward products. The new ETFs include, one, Grayscale Ethereum Futures Trust, which would mimic Bitcoin Futures ETFs unless, because of the uncertain status of Ether, the SEC rejects it. 2. Grayscale Global Bitcoin Composite ETF, which will invest 40% in internationally listed Bitcoin ETFs and 60% in Bitcoin mining companies, and 3. The Grayscale Privacy ETF, which will invest 10% in Grayscale's Zcash Trust and other privacy-related companies. BlockFi clients to be reimbursed $300 million BlockFi, one of the many crypto lending platforms that went bust last year, has been ordered by a bankruptcy judge to refund nearly $300 million to its customers. The ruling, issued by Judge Michael Kaplan, determined that assets in BlockFi's custodial wallets are considered client property, net assets of the bankruptcy estate. However, a further $375 million that clients attempted to withdraw from BlockFi's interest-bearing accounts after November 10, 2022, remains in contention. Kaplan stated that these transactions, initiated after the company froze funds due to the fallout of FTX's collapse, were not completed. While these funds can technically be returned immediately under bankruptcy law, a dispute over their status has delayed the reimbursement process. Voyager Digital moves forward with a self-liquidation plan. Crypto lender Voyager Digital is charting its path toward dissolution and asset liquidation after unsuccessful negotiations with both FTX U.S. and Binance U.S., the termination of a $1 billion asset purchase agreement with Binance U.S. after the company abruptly pulled out has left Voyager in a predicament. The consequent liquidation will enable Voyager's creditors to recoup approximately 36% of their crypto assets, a considerable decrease from the previously projected 72 to 73% recovery rate under the aborted acquisition plans. With a focus on making amends, Voyager has declared that initial distributions of cash and crypto to its customers, are expected to commence in the upcoming weeks. Ex-Coinbase manager is sentenced to prison. Ishan Wahi, previously a product manager for Coinbase, has been handed a two-year prison sentence in crypto's second insider trading case. Wahi admitted guilt to two conspiracy accounts involving wire fraud. Wahi shared private company data about upcoming asset listings on Coinbase with his brother Nikhil and a friend Samir Ramani. This insider knowledge allowed the trio to make informed trades ahead of listing announcements, netting them $1.5 million across 55 digital assets. U.S. Attorney Damian Williams emphasized that Wahi's sentence should serve as a deterrent to other crypto insiders, warning against any misuse of confidential corporate information. Wahi expressed remorse for his actions in court, stating, quote, I made a huge mistake that will follow me for the rest of my life. Do Kwan puts forward a bail proposal. Lawyers for Terraform Labs founder Do Kwan, presently held in Montenegro on charges of travel document forgery, propose that he be released on supervised bail of €400,000 or $437,000. Both Kwan and fellow Terra executive Han Cheng Jun denied the charges, insisting on their innocence at a recent court hearing. Arrested in March, the Terra executives now await the court's decision on their bail proposal with the next trial scheduled for June 16th. Beyond the Montenegrin case, extradition awaits Kwon to either the U.S. or South Korea, where he faces additional criminal charges tied to the collapse of Terraform Labs in May 2022. Su gets Singapore court to muzzle Arthur Hayes. Arthur Hayes, the co-founder of BitMEX, has been issued a Singaporean court restraining order at the request of Su Zhu, co-founder of now-defunct crypto hedge fund Three Arrows Capital. Hayes is prohibited from using any language or communication that could distress Zhu. This order follows Hayes' persistent tweets demanding $6 million he alleges to be owed since 3AC's collapse. Some crypto community members had harsh words for Zhu. Mike Dudas of Sixth Man Ventures tweeted, Su Zhu is a coward to the core who betrayed his friends, investors in his fund, raiding the remaining 3AC funds under false pretenses before going on the lam and ghosting those he grifted from beyond disgraceful to see him trying to play the victim. Time for fun, Bits. Unchained Jenny Hogan has something to say about Binance needing to temporarily halt Bitcoin withdrawals.
2: It's allergy season and Binance is congested. That's right. They paused Bitcoin withdrawals twice on their platform in the last 24 hours. Withdrawals are back now, but Bitcoin prices have fallen 3.5%, which honestly does seem like a normal weekend, but we should still be mad at Binance. People can't just have their Bitcoin withdrawals halted, okay? What if they need that Bitcoin to pay rent? Said dozens of Bitcoin traders who live rent-free in their parents' basements. Binance is calling this issue a learning opportunity. That's not what a learning opportunity is. A learning opportunity is when I hire an unlicensed plumber because he's cheaper and he ends up creating an issue that floods my downstairs neighbor's apartment and I get charged $700. Binance apologized and thanked users for their patience. I mean, duh. Nothing screams patience like a crypto trader. They also adjusted their fees to deal with this in the future. The only issue is they adjusted them upwards. Please accept our sincerest apologies and also
0: higher prices. Thanks so much for joining us today. To learn more about WASI and the IRS's tax claims on the FTX bankruptcy, check out the show notes for this episode. Unchained is produced by me, Laura Shin. With help from Kevin Fuchs, Matt Pilchard, Zach Seward, Juan Aranovich, Sam Sriram, Ginny Hogan, Jeff Benson, Leandro Camino, Pamela Jimdar, Shashank, and Margaret Korea. Thanks for listening.